All right, welcome to the first ever episode of the Dads and App podcast. This podcast will be about two Pittsburgh dads who grew up in the 90s and 2000s, the way we were raised, and now having kids of our own, how we handle having kids in the 2020s and beyond. We hope our stories are enjoyable and maybe even show you or show that we go through moments with all the experienced dads and warn new dads what they're about to get into. My name is Ben, and I'm a Pittsburgh dad. I don't know if we can actually say that. Uh, <laughs> so I am a dad who lives in Pittsburgh. I'm a father of two. They are 17 months apart, one boy, one girl. Took about two to three years to land the first one, trying uh, time after time, and uh, threats of in vitro was were, were happening. And once uh, we got on a a right plan and we learned about ovulation schedule not being maybe as precise we actually used an app to figure that one out and that's whenever the boy came out and then uh shortly after it was we got married my wife and i got married and we believe in a honeymoon the uh the girl was uh conceived so it was like opening the floodgates so needless to say i uh had to make sure there wasn't a third one that accidentally popped out with 17 months apart from that one. So just two for right now, maybe planning on a third one. But my life is full of Miss Rachel and uh, the boy. He likes Disney. He likes the car movies. And uh, she's in love with Miss Rachel. In love with Miss Rachel. I don't know if you watched Miss Rachel. Miss Rachel. I've never not. seen one second of it. It's uh, it's quite enjoyable. She she's learning. Uh, Wyatt learned uh, uh, sign language from Miss Rachel, so it was kind of nice. I would love to learn how to do that. I I mean, it was kind of forced for me to learn after he was learning because I was like, I got to catch up to him. He would be like giving me uh the more sign, and I'd just be like, I have no idea what you're doing to me. Disney Plus, my TV's on Disney Plus like twenty four seven. He loves Cars, Cars one, Cars three. And then he's actually starting to like absolutely love Monsters Incorporated, so that's kind of fun. He started watching that yet uh, yesterday. Actually, he was getting into that. So, Dan. Oh, my name is Dan. I'm also a Pittsburgh area dad, Pittsburgh uh, suburbia. Um, I have four kids plus one kind of stepson. We're engaged, but I consider him my stepson. Um. 11, 10, 7, almost 2, and my stepson is 8. <laughs> Three girls and two boys. Um, I took over the rights to my oldest two in 2014, so I technically became a dad in 2014. Um, Count it. The, um, my third oldest was 2016, and then obviously the new one a couple of years ago, so yeah kids everywhere um it's a lot of running around it's non-stop chaos <laughs> non-stop chaos i just it's just with with mine they just both well obviously he was mobile pretty good but she just started getting mobile in uh yeah yeah a couple months now so pull in two different directions so i can only imagine what you're going through so many different age ranges and just interests and needs and it's just yeah. still changing uh diapers and putting up baby gates while at the same time having to get ready to go through puberty 
It's just like yikes. So you're so you're saying you uh starting to learn what your dad went through? A little bit. How how many how many brothers and sisters do you have? One brother, one sister, one okay. older brother, one older sister. See I have I have uh two brothers and a sister. I was the youngest. So I kinda I kinda feel him. He did he always threaten you like you're gonna have one of your own, just like you? Did he ever threaten that to you? Eh, That's like a boomer a, a boomer dad saying snide comments like one that. One day you're gonna have there. one of your own, just <laughs> like you. That sounded yeah. just like my dad, actually. <laughs> he has that twang. So we talk about you want to talk about our dads real quick? Sure. Uh my dad, he was uh born in nineteen fifty one. So he he's the classic bo- baby boomer. Ooh. Uh real quick. Fifty one, so when he turned eighteen became a legal adult was nineteen sixty nine. Yeah. Nineteen sixty nine. The fun fact where where I where I uh grew grew up and am now, the uh they were all fascinated because they were building a new school for them. And the production got delayed, and so he was never actually able to graduate from the school that they promised them. So he, they built it in 1969. They weren't allowed to be in there un- until like 1970, apparently. So he had to graduate from the old school, even though their entire like high school, they were like, "You're going to get a new school," and then they never did it. So I don't know if that's demoralizing or not to somebody, but. Wasn't 69 when Woodstock happened? I want to say yes. So he was a legal it's adult having the first time freedom in that year. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. But going back with him, he was a giant workaholic. The only problem was he was a nighttime, night turn kind of guy. So he was pretty well dead during the day. Like he was groggy and it kind of throws you off working night turn. And uh, so, like, I remember several times needing to wake him up, like, four or five times just to get to school. And I was always late because it was, you know, 7.05. And I'm just like, I need to go to school. And he'd be like, and then half hour later, try to wake him up again. Night turn. Yeah, always. And it was 12-hour shifts. So he was always, like, 7 to 7. seven. So, and he worked at the hospital, so non-stop running around or he had really really dull days uh, my dad kind of had a similar like work schedule like maybe from when i was like eight like the earliest memories up until graduated high school he worked second shift two in the afternoon till 11 at night so i didn't see a lot of him w- during the school year because i was in school he was at work i was in school he was at work he was off on Wednesdays and Sundays, I think. So we saw him a lot on those two days and during the summer. But, like, mom had to be the disciplinarian because oh, he yeah. was never there when we were there. Same. I agree with that. My mom was was the disciplinarian like crazy. Uh, it, would, it wouldn't be the typical, you wait till your father get home because he was already home because it was daylight. It was, you don't wake your dad up kind of thing until my dad actually wanted to wake, uh, wake up. But it was a... Uh, I don't know how your dad was. My dad had the same job my entire life, the my entire life, until he couldn't work it anymore. So like he he would get promoted, and if they got rid of the position, demoted. I don't think he ever like got demoted like because of work performance, but he stayed at the hospital the entire. He might have switched hospitals because of you know better pay and stuff like that, but it was a hospital job the entire life. 
think that's that's hard to see anywhere. Yeah, my earliest memory. My dad had some different jobs before I was born, but from my furthest memory on, he also worked at a hospital, but it was a psychiatric hospital. He retired from there. See, like, I, oh yeah, well, like we were saying, like maybe before I was born, my dad had like a gig. Like I think he worked at the paper, the Valley News Dispatch, and uh, I know he was a pretty good writer. He was. My dad was a crazy storyteller, crazy storyteller, and uh, he would go into so much depth, but he got to the point he wouldn't go beat around the bush with stuff. But uh, I remember it, one thing my dad told me, and it was uh, whenever I was a little older, it was like whenever I was like graduating school, he only said it once to me, never said it after that. He said to me, he's like, the whole purpose of being a parent it, whenever like he's like whenever you get older and you have kids the purpose of being a parent is to make sure that those kids can survive whenever you're not around mm-hmm. and i was like holy cow never mentioned that to me ever again he would tell me the same story you know whether it be going to horseshoe curve or Carnrail. he was a giant train fanatic he would tell me these stories left and right over and over again and like i could like memorize it and know what he, he was going to hit like oh there's the plot there's the funny line and stuff like that but that line that he told me, it was like it stuck with me even to today. You know, I never thought I would have kids because of everything that was going on. But now that I do, I think back to that line that he told me. Like, it just hits you hard. At least to me. My dad wasn't real big on quotes like that. It was always like by example, things that he would do. Like, we weren't rich, but he was always so secure with money that we didn't have to worry about everything. He was smart with it. He always had like investments, and he still gets dividend checks to this day from oh, stuff wow. he invested in, That's and cool. he has pensions and state uh, insurance still while being retired. Just all kinds of little things like that. Uh, he rented houses, rented out houses, to, so he would get cash flow from that. Just there, if there was ever like a disaster with like a hot water tank or a furnace or a new roof. Like he always had the ability to take care of it. That's what he always, that that's what all, it always instilled in me. Like he always took care of every single issue. There was never like an emergency. Like he always had a solution to every one of life's problems. That's difficult nowadays with, you yeah. know, inflation and stuff like that. But and nowadays you're, you know, paycheck to paycheck, but yeah, it's it's difficult because your your mom would stay at home, yeah, and my mom would stay at home. Yep. So like that's so hard to hear nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like one paycheck for a family of I would say even two would be you know difficult. Let alone me, like my family, there's four of us, yeah, you know, and we had pets like crazy. Mm-hmm. We had four cats, you know, dogs nonstop. Yep. So it's like, I don't know how the hell he did it. He found a way. He always, always, always found a way. My mom was a, has always been a housewife every second of her adult life. She took care of the cleaning, the laundry, taking care of the kids. But my dad took care of everything, like financially. Like he never had to worry about anything. So I think I think my my dad just worked. Mm-hmm. He he didn't. Yeah. He if he had to pay something, he would. But he let he's pretty much just get, would give the paycheck to my mom and she would mm-hmm. pay the bills and go grocery shopping and stuff like that. I don't think he knew what she would spend money on. I think he just cared about bringing it in. Yeah. That was it. That's what his job was. Yep. His job was to make sure the grass was cut, yep. you know, cars were running, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Uh, other than we had a, 
We had a gremlin, in, a gremlin X, in our backyard. We we were so hick, even though we weren't oh. hick. Like we just had a random ass car for like uh, I think until I was like twelve years old. We were hick city. Random random ass car in our yard. We had a blue Caprice Classic station wagon. That's <laughs> uh, hilarious. And it, it like he, there was a time I guess when I was little, like three or four, he got laid off from somewhere, and he started his own lawn mowing business he even, he saved the business cards that he made for that and just called around i think he put an ad in the newspaper and he would he mowed for like 30 40 different people while he was out of a job like he always found a way he would go outside at night when it would rain with a flashlight and collect night crawlers and sell them out of a cooler in front of the house like cool. he found a way to get to make money all the time like, like I think that's, it, it's like a dying age of work ethic because people aren't like that anymore. Like the newer generation is not like that where they would just pound away at whatever they're doing just to get by. They want everything handed to them. And I think that's where I get it from. Like I'm not trying to say I'm like this crazy hyper like work fanatic, but I mean I – get it done you know to take oh, I care could, of the my family. dad would probably work circles around me oh yeah like i know, like i said i know he he worked nights and he would you know sleep uh sometimes but like if something needed to be done i think maybe if he got home at like eight o'clock ten o'clock he was up to get whatever he needed done, oh, done. Yeah. and then he'd go back to bed mm-hmm. but like i i remember i mean i worked night shift for a long time i would go home play video games and bed yeah that was it oh, that was my that was my life Yep. for like a while you know and a lot of guys back in that age like i'm sure when your dad was working on overnights didn't really care about sleep like they'd come home and do stuff at home that needed yeah. done yard work this and that maybe go to sleep at like four in the afternoon get like four or five hours sleep go back at it again Just people aren't like that anymore uh, uh did your dad like have something that you weren't allowed to touch like my dad's, my dad was a grill. He was the only one allowed to cook on that grill until I like I got older. Maybe, maybe like my sister who was older than me was able to touch it. But like, but it was like a certain age. We weren't anywhere. We weren't allowed to go anywhere near that grill. He was the one to start the grill, to light the grill, to cook everything off it, uh, and then bring it all in. We weren't allowed to go anywhere near that thing. It my, was like his pride and joy. Pride and joy. He treated that better than us. No, I'm joking. Instilled so much fear in us about touching the thermostat. I <laughs> never once even laid a fingernail on that thing the entire time I lived there as a kid. Not I never even breathed on it. Like a lot of like kids, like they get cold, they get hot, they'll go and mess with it. I never, it never even crossed my mind to touch that thing. Bringing up a Family Guy episode whenever that guy touches the. Yeah, Meg, whatever. Or you can like touches, sense it. Yeah, and then there's like five dads that show up. Yeah. You know, like, Somebody touched the thermostat? Touch the thermostat? Yeah. That's the way my dad was. You did not touch that thing. That's hilarious. I didn't even understand how it worked yeah. because I just would not touch it. <laughs> but like you were saying with like work ethic, I think like they had, like back in the day, they had to find something to do. Like if they were home, they were busy. Yeah. We're like now... You're home. You just want to be entertained. TV, mm-hmm. TikTok, mm-hmm. you know, podcasts, uh, stuff like that. So, like, sitting around is, like, our, our thing now where, mm-hmm. like, they it didn't have to necessarily make money. It was to maybe even prevent 
something from costing money. Yes. So showed showed a lot of uh, work ethic and resilience, which is you know what we wanted to talk about today. Uh, like showing resilience and how to how to teach resilience to your kids, because I know like again with him it was mainly like if i hurt myself i was getting blamed for it like why did you do that you, i could have fell off a bike and he'd be like what what why you gonna hurt yourself yeah. like that i'll hurt you know it's always it was always a threat too it wasn't like he was you know i'm not trying to say like he was uh always yelling because it was the typical dad baby boomer dad moments you know rub some dirt in it you know uh you know what did you learn from it you know stuff like that where like now i don't think you can do that you know you you would be considered uh you know a terrible dad if you were like if your kid fell off a slide or you swing or something like that and you're just like oh you'll be fine you know whatever it may be shake it off you know you would like you see dads like immediately grabbing their kid and like we're gonna go home put a nice pack on it you'll be fine here's some ice cream like i couldn't imagine my dad oh you got injured here's some food my dad would never do he'd be like all right no get back on what you just fell off of try it again there's no chance that you're gonna let this one slide my dad wasn't like that too much because like he had very good state insurance so he knew if anything ever happened to us he didn't have to pay a dime anyway so you want to go to the doctor sure we'll go to the doctor you don't have to pay anything. We were always in that doctor's office for everything. But there was one time his his insurance was getting messed up, kind of go along with what you were saying. He, he was getting some sort of coverage change. I don't really understand how it worked. And I, like, rolled my ankle real bad playing basketball out in the driveway. And, like, it was so swollen, like, my skin was, like, folding over my sock. And he was real iffy about going to get it checked out. He, oh, my my insurance isn't that great. Are you are you sure? Yeah, yeah, just put some ice on it. I I, I think you'll be okay. <laughs> that kind of thing. I, I, you just brought. I, you know how like there's a water main break. They fill it in with like rocks after like they do stuff. I was riding my bike and like skid really bad and like cut open my inner thigh. You know, probably deserves stitches. My dad literally just like wrapped gauze around him, like huh. get back on that bike, buddy. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like nowadays I think about that, I'm like, holy cow! Like there was, it's it was absolutely a terrible gash. Like I like one of those things where you remember as a childhood, like that was a horrible injury. You probably should have went to the hospital, but he was like, eh, there you go. Here's some here's uh, neosporin and gauze. Yeah, certain added. things. He was like that. But so I, I, I've also seen him get like super hyper too about injuries. Like when I was in second grade, I was swinging between two desks and I lost my balance and bashed my head off the ground and knocked like the tips of my front teeth off. He came and picked me up from school and we went into that dentist's office so bad. He didn't even care who was in the waiting room, anything. He just ran up right to the receptionist. He's like, we got an emergency. We got an emergency. He broke his teeth off. Just hyperventilating just about and they got me right back there just depends on the situation i guess you uh you know how like is there any moment that you could think of uh with resilience like obviously we talked about your dad being able to do you know being laid off and getting those worms and stuff like that is there any moment that you could think of that he tried to you know teach you resilience just it was never like 
real big like life advice it was always just little things just to prepare you when you get older like just real particulars with certain aspects of things but he never really got into those big like philosophical quotes and everything but see like my dad wouldn't do that either but he would be like if i was we'll just use for example like i was a goalie so he knew how like i like to be a goalie if we had downtime it was hey let's go outside you know let me shoot on you if if i let a goal in you know in the beginning he'd be like oh you're waving at it you're waving at it like stop waving at the ball block it you know like and then i'm like okay you know get it and i was like the older i got i realized that we practiced more and more i was letting less and less in that was him kind of teaching me resilience like i'm sure that's not like the best example to to give and i know uh when it come when it came to like worth ex- work ethic with him and him trying to instill into me that never happened he literally wanted to do everything himself if I tried to help him, it was, you know, you can hold this, hold this tire while I, you know, switch this other one out. Yeah. And then I would roll him the tire and then he'd put the one on. Like, it wasn't him showing me how to do things like that. I mean, I, I'll i be honest, like, I didn't know how to read a tape measure until I was probably like 18, 19 years old. I was kind of the same way. Like, he would have me there. Like, I would watch a lot of the things he was doing, but he wouldn't really, like, teach me, teach me. Like, I wouldn't really grasp everything he was doing. Like, he would do, like, a lot of electrical and changing out mower blades and things like that. But I never, like, picked up, picked up on it. Like, I don't know. Like, he, he liked the help, but he didn't like to teach yeah. kind of thing. That's exactly the same way. Like, he, he wanted to be there. Like, I, I, w- I would even say, like, cutting grass, it was, like, I, I don't think I ever learned how to pull start a mower until i was probably like 16 17 because he wouldn't he wouldn't want us to cut the grass he did it himself he that was his job that he did teach me a lot about mowing the lawn that was like his bread and butter it was like mowing grass so i did pick up a lot on that taught me how to do dishes and shovel because that's stuff that he didn't want to do but yeah that was always a task though like it was i was the baby so like if it wasn't necessarily that my sister or them didn't want to do it it was you know He's the baby. They had their turn at doing dishes and shoving sidewalks. So Ben's got to do it. Like he's got to, he's got to step up. You know, make, make some sort of commitment or you know, work in this family because that was a big thing too. Like he wanted us all to work at something. You know, my sister would either you know vacuum or whatever. Yeah. But like I said, my mom being a stay-at-home mom, she was right. one to to distribute those tasks. You know like but like when it came to him i don't remember him teaching too much resilience besides like i said the whole like you know if you fall get back up brush off your knees and get back at it and stuff like that where like i have like i said toddlers so like i have uh if they if they fall when walking and stuff like that it was uh it was easy to just like pick them up and put them back on their feet so they can go ahead and uh you know run and and get back into the toys that they're doing oh there's he, one he would instill like the financial stuff in me he was real good at that at teaching that like school clothes and things that we wanted school clothing wise like he wouldn't buy us name brand stuff it was always like 
Kmart specials, oh Walmart gosh, specials, yeah. and stuff like that. If you wanted nice shoes, not like Walmart shoes and like Nikes and things like that, you earn the money, you buy it. So that's what I did. I I got to the point where I mowed lawns on my own during high school. I had like 15 different people that I mowed lawns for. That's where I got all my spending money. So I would buy all my name brand stuff. Like he would always instill that in me in the winter time. Hey, go, you want this? Go shovel snow for the neighbor. He even one time, like he was obsessed with raking leaves. He did not like a single leaf in the yard. He told me, you want some money? Go out there. Every bag of leaves you rake and bag up, I'll give you a dollar for every bag. I remember one time, I'm pretty sure I spent an entire Saturday out there. I did like 27 bags of leaves just to get 27 bucks because we had these giant oak trees and had enough leaves to last an eternity out there. But he always instilled that stuff. Like, you, you want something, you go work, make some money, and you buy it. He was the same way with my brother. Like, he wouldn't buy my brother, like, video game systems and video games and stuff. My brother had to go and mow and earn money, and then he would buy it. It's, I mean, it's not that he wouldn't buy us stuff. Like, he would buy us, you know, our needs, our clothes, our food, um, toys to an extent. But anything extravagant, that was you. You're going to go earn it. Yeah, I, I, I remember, like, again, my mom being in charge of finances and, again is what it is but like my mom was the typical like government like we would work my say i cut grass for my grandparents whatever i got paid essentially went right to her like she was like oh you know hey you know you want this i'll buy for you but you know i want that change or i want that you know cash that you got from you know cutting the grass or you know like you said raking leaves and stuff like that like we we didn't really have i had no idea what money was. i would have a I had, fit i was like if i got money like even from christmas and stuff like that she was the one to take it like i if i had a dollar i was like sweet oh, i would you have know. a fit yeah. it was bad it was bad uh, i i mean i wasn't the only one i remember even with uh my sister having a job i don't throwing us back for crazy far more she would have to give my mom like half the paycheck that's just the way it was. Wow. Yeah, it was bad. It was my mom was, my mom wanted everything. Like it was, uh, like hey look, congratulations on having that, you know, job. You uh, you give me the money. I yeah. think in and a again, way, she, my mom's line was, you know, the typical hey, I brought you into this world, I could take you out. Yeah. That was my mom's baby boomer line of the freaking, like eighteen years that I lived at home. You know, it was it was nonstop. Like hey look. You know, I was a C-section baby. She'd be like, you scarred me. I'm going to, you know, take your money, you know, stuff like that. I think in a way, not to talk down on her, but that would, like, instill in you to, like, hide money. Oh, I, and not not, yeah. not necessarily, like, steal, but if you got your hands on money, she'd, like, make her make it so she doesn't know about it. Yeah, yeah, my brother would do that. And, yeah. you know, hey, look, I my brother would cash his check. And, and not show her the check. He would cash a check. Mm-hmm. He worked at Subway. He would cash a check, and then he would be like, "Oh, this is the hours I worked. This is what I got." And then he would keep, you know, that. I didn't have a job because I was like, I, you know, you. My mom's line was, whatever, whatever mistakes my sisters and brother, or my sister and brothers made, I was to learn from that. I wasn't to do the same exact mistake. I should have seen what mm-hmm. happened. I shouldn't make that mistake. You're mm-hmm. the young one. You're the baby. Learn from their mistakes. 
So my big thing was I saw my sister and my brother have jobs and get money taken away from them. I wasn't going to get a job at home. I was going to move out and I was going to get my job that way. And uh, I was like, once I started getting that and, you know, I moved, I had like after graduation, I moved out, had a job. I was like, worked to save a lot and uh, I plastered. So the plastering was like underneath the table, like. I never had to get like taxes on it, so it was kind of nice. I don't know if the government's listening now, but it's <laughs> it's well it a long time ago, so they can get money if you know. But the uh, the uh, the fact like now like I have this have this money, and I try to set the, the two kids up. I usually you know put like twenty bucks or whatever a paycheck off to the side in case of, you know I see something that they want or whatever. Start or, Christmas shopping now. Yeah, exactly. Hide it somewhere. But, you know, I, I never thought I'd be there because I was like, I, I, you know, I saw how money was sucked up left and right, you know, growing up. So I was like, oh, you know, nobody has money. And then I was like, when I started working, I'm like, eh, you could save. You can you can have your own money. But that that in itself, in my opinion, kind of showed me, you know, hey, look, you know, I don't want to do that to my kids. Like if they i don't like if they do chores and stuff like that they should get paid for it and they right. should have that kind of money i'm not just going to give them money willy-nilly same way with me like I, w- I don't want them to treat me like an atm but i want them to learn maybe not necessarily like an eight-year-old having to chop down a tree but do some minor things do some minor chores and you'll be rewarded and then save your money and see what you can get with it I'm not gonna take it from you. Yeah, exactly. I I don't see that. Like I like you were saying, like rainy day and how your dad would you know have cash available for you know miscellaneous expenses if something mm-hmm. were to happen. I don't want to take their stuff. Like I don't want to. Hey, we saved all this money. That that shouldn't be the case either. Mm-hmm. But you know they should be rewarded for doing something. I I, I saw uh, the tooth fairy apparently uh, is giving five dollars out per tooth now. Ooh. When I used to get like twenty five cents a tooth, man. We didn't do tooth fairy when I was a kid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We got we front, had tooth fairy. Front teeth. I think my second youngest daughter lost her front tooth, and I could not find any cash laying around. <laughs> but it was. I thought it was significant because it was a front tooth, and she was all excited. I slapped a twenty dollar bill under oh, her pillow. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's ridiculous, man. <laughs> That would cover the entire mouth back in the day. And now people are giving that kind of cash out. But yeah, they they got so like, see, I I screwed up with that because every time she got a loose tooth after that, she thought she was going to get paid by the tooth fairy. So if it was even remotely wiggly, but not enough to come out, they're sitting there yanking on their teeth, trying to like yank them out of their mouth so they could get that money under their pillow. Like I screwed up bad. Um, again let's learn from this yeah <laughs> wait yeah don't do twenty dollars maybe a front tooth uh, five bucks maybe <laughs> tops all other teeth like maybe start getting into the loose change <laughs> so let's go back into the topic of uh resilience is there anything that you like can tell the listeners uh about maybe how you teach resilience to your kids 
Um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not big on words. I try to like do things by example. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you do? Because again, with them being toddlers, I, I we I looked up some on uh, Google like preferences, but but with them being toddlers, like I said, it's a little hard for me to teach them resilience. Um, the big thing that I do like if they're building blocks and stuff like that, let's just say, and they fall over, and instead of having a a fit and start like like flailing their arms around and like throwing the blocks everywhere. I just take a take a moment, and that was one of the things that Google said was just pull them away from it, have them not have the fit, get the blocks out of sight, wait like five minutes and like bring it back. So then that shows them that hey, look, you know, it wasn't that big of a deal. Uh, another one they said was. Uh, uh, daily routine so i don't know if that's something you do that's i need to get huge. better at that that's huge uh we we fell off it whenever uh um my my leave was done so like we only have two weeks of leave you know you, your wife has a kid yeah. and you only have two weeks i know some companies have other things so like it was easy to do a routine with two parents right because if one tries to fall off routine and, you know, whether it has a fit or a bad day, you can bring them back together and, uh, you know, make sure that you're having breakfast on time or, you know, your playtime is good and limit your TV time. When there's a single parent, it's a little difficult because you most likely will slap that TV on to try to distract them. But I need to get better with that structure-wise. Like, we were so structured growing up. When we were growing up, dinner was five o'clock yeah, every single exactly, night yeah. and my mom always made like a home cooked dinner for us it was without question you never even had to wonder it was five o'clock where now it's like oh it could be six it could be seven it could be as early as five it could be as late as eight thirty. it's just kind of all over the place so i need to get better with that like the i don't know how like almost every website I go to says it though, but apparently kids crave structure. I just don't know if they crave structure. I think they look forward to what they, like they they're starting to build a memory, so they're looking forward to what you know yeah. is about to happen. Because I use this example: we take him to the playground every Sunday. He now knows almost what day is Sunday mm-hmm. because he'll get his shoes ready. He'll wake up. He'll uh, have his breakfast and then all of a sudden he'll grab his shoes because mm-hmm. he knows that you know mommy and daddy are home it's got to be sunday so we're gonna go to the playground oh they're like sponges it's crazy they absorb everything so again i don't know if it's craving st- like you know st- structure and and routine i think it's more that they know what's about to happen mm-hmm. i need to and, get better with that and i think kids get into more trouble when they don't have the time structure they just kind of try to find something to occupy their time, and they get into everything. And then uh, number four was to uh, move toward the goals, uh, setting goals, and realistically and reasonable will help focus on the tasks. I, I again, I'm not there, so I don't know. We we know like his goals might be a little different than hers, but the only the only uh, focus on tasks that we have is uh, cleanup. You know, then he knows it's nighttime. You know, it's nighttime, so he clean up his toys after like causing a complete mess. I don't know what she has. She's a rapper. I don't know. 
It's a little challenging now that there's a kid in the studio. But I don't know if she's uh, curious about the flavor of that eh, said rapper. I think she's just trying to push it through the door, it looks like. This is what happens when her kid shows up. What you doing, girl? Did you get it? But this is exactly what life's like with oh, yeah. kids. You're like, trying to do you something. You can't... It's not all... You just have to learn to do things and do life's everyday tasks with a child within like a six foot upper oh, yeah, zone of yeah. you. Like there's always one of them around. They're, they just, they want to be like right up in your business all oh, the yeah. time. You, you just get used to it. They're always around. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and then now that ironically uh, point number five that you said that is except change we were by ourselves in here and now we have a kid running around in the studio mm-hmm. so accept it it happens and then once you realize that you have to change the goal you uh, can adjust and see uh, see what happens after that huh one one thing I want to do like opposite of what my parents were like they said no to everything like they were so strict about like extracurricular activities and friend groups and this and that like they always just wanted us to be at home i played one year of little league baseball when i was a kid and i wanted to play like every sport known to man like we couldn't do anything they didn't want us hanging with the wrong crowd or making the wrong friends so you know we're at home you know, you played in your backyard, you played with your brother and sister, but you really didn't stray too much away from that. Like, and I'm not, and I don't want to be like, oh, you guys are playing every sport known to man. I don't care if you like it or not. I don't want to be like that. But if my kids were like, oh, you know, I, I, I think I'd like to try soccer or I think I'd like to try hockey or something. <laughs> you bet you're going to try it. <laughs> Like I'll jump all over it if they want to try something, but I'm not going to force it. But I want the I want it to be available. Yeah, and that's how it should be because we were uh, we were a soccer family. It was the cheapest sport. Yeah, like we could get a hold of. So you really literally paid for a soccer ball and uh, shin pads. So like that was the one we could afford. So everybody in my family, my brother was autistic, so he never he played baseball, challenger baseball, but he uh, everybody else played soccer. It was what we did. Uh, we had we had ability to play hockey. But it was like street hockey. It wasn't like, you know, on the ice or anything like that. That didn't happen till later in life. And I think, like, if you say no to your kids too much, and I'm a prime example of this, like, if no to this, no to that, no, you can't do this, no, you can't do this. When you get to the age where you have a little bit of freedom, you're going to go crazy and do everything you were never allowed to do. That's exactly what happened to me the second I stepped foot on that college campus i tried everything absolutely everything just because i could not necessarily because i wanted to or aspired to do certain activities some of them weren't even appealing but i was just like you know what i can so i did it and i don't want my kids to be like that like i want to give them enough freedom that they know what the world's like and what life's gonna throw at them but not to the point where you're just letting them do whatever they want. Oh, go hang out with whoever. I don't care. And then they get into, then you're a grandparent yeah, before yeah. you know it. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no was a big word in, in uh, my life. Uh, it was pretty much like every little thing that I wanted to do and everything I wanted to get into. 
was an absolute no. And it yeah. was funny because like it was like you're the baby, you get everything you want. Like <laughs> I don't know what life you're living. Like it was, hey, look, there's a bunch of hand me downs. I don't care what you want. This is what you're gonna get. This is the lifestyle that you have. Mm-hmm. So like the only the only thing that I had yes to was sports. Like I was I crazy. Didn't get that. Yeah, I was I was able to get into football, get into soccer, get get into hockey again later on, but uh it it was that was the only thing that changed like I felt between, you know, my brothers and my sister. But we were I again I don't know how you were when I was growing up with uh where I lived. I lived in country but not country. It was we were maybe 20 minutes from Pittsburgh, but I lived in the sticks. Like it was like I, I had a, it was, it's called bull Creek. It was in my backyard. Like that's we, so we had waterways. We could fish there every time that we wanted to. So it was, if something was said no to you, like if I wanted to do something, whatever random thing it was in the house, no, go outside. And then we would go play in the dirt. Mm-hmm. You know, now, I mean, I live in the city, so a little more challenging to tell them to go outside and play in the dirt. But I don't want them to me to say no and throw something on TV for mm-hmm. them. You know, so we, we go outside as much as we can and you usually run around or go to a playground. Yeah, I had but that, too. There, we, we were wiffle ball, nerf football, yeah. sandboxes, like basketball, riding four wheelers at the neighbor's sled riding. We did a lot of that. But it was always so centralized around home. Yeah, exactly. Like, you weren't really encouraged to branch out past home. Oh, like, I don't know how you were, but, like, we started learning how to pedal a bike. There was this white pool that was, like, two blocks away. That's as far as we got. Oh, yeah. We had to there was always back. limits. Yep. Yeah. Like, I, c- I couldn't imagine that now. Like, I see kids, uh, again, live in the city where I do. Kids are, like, riding their bike as fast as they can like mm-hmm. it, on on the streets and like zigzagging through stuff i do it i'm like i do that to my kids now they're not supposed to go past certain bushes of the neighbors like i want to be able to see them like i don't trust people but you like like i said though you can't tether them too much like you got to find the balance of little bit of freedom but not to the point where they're gonna make some really destructive decisions and like you said if you say no too much to your kids they're going to either start hiding stuff you know because they want to do things Mm -hmm. and they you know they still crave what they want even if you say no to them yeah so again mine are too young but i see it all the time like i mean we work retail people are told you know no you're not getting that so what do they do they put it in her pocket and run out, mm-hmm. you know, the store with it. You got to find a balance. That's one of the biggest things I can tell people out there trying to figure out this parenting thing. You can't be the tyrant and say no to everything, but you can also not be the person that just doesn't care what your kid is doing. You got to find a balance. Oh yeah, like if you say no to something, have something else that might bring them something, not equivalent joy, but some sort of joy. Like, at least let them pick out something. Like, I'm going to use grocery stores again. Like, if they you say no to toys, let them pick out something in the food section that they, you yeah. know, want. Like, that's that's the thing that I say. Like, if you're saying no to everything, like, where, where's the where's the joy that that kid's going to have? Like, he's going to have mm-hmm. he, like he's going to have to learn to make decisions. But if you're shutting them down every single way, that's a bit of a problem. Yeah, I, I was like 
clueless on everything growing up. Like I, you weren't even allowed to have like a girlfriend. You couldn't go to parties. You couldn't go to dances, anything like that. So by the time I step foot in college, it's like, oh my god, like alcohol, sex, minor drugs, like everything that I could possibly get my hands on and do. I tried because everything was always just no, 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 we can't do this. I wanted a taste of the world and I got a buffet. Like it was bad, but I don't want at the same time. Yeah. I had the time of my life, but I don't want my kids to do that. Like I want them to know enough about the world and kind of tip their toes in the pool before they go crazy like that. Cause uh, I mean, I'll say it too. Like my, I wasn't even allowed to have friends over at my house. Like my friend time was school time, mm-hmm. you Me know, too. and then and that's the other reason why like I end up venturing into sports was because that was, brought me more time with those, like the my friends that I had. So like when I got home, I know nobody was allowed to be coming over. I know you know that was that was the house was meant for family. It mm-hmm. wasn't meant for anybody else to come over, and it wasn't anything that my dad instilled. That was my mom's rule. Like she didn't want anybody coming over that was not part of the family. The, uh, I, in a way, I'm kind of like that. Like, I don't like having in, an insane amount of company, but generally, I don't mind if people stop in. But I don't like it to be this big extravaganza where you have like almost like an open door policy. But yeah, you you gotta let your kids dabble a little bit without getting into trouble or getting into like questionable like moral things. But just give them a little bit of a leash. I'm not saying, you know, let them go down to the south side and just go nuts. Yeah. No, not like that. that. But there's other there's other things like I'll use like I'm going to keep using playground for an example. Like if my son keeps going to a really high slide, am I supposed to say no to him all the time? Okay. No. Encourage him to take a risk, you know, go down the slide. If he gets scared, he knows not to go back up there and do it again. And you're there. Yeah, I'm there. I'm, you know, <laughs> that's the one thing that I can't stand at the playground is when I see parents on their phones on a bench not even looking at their kids. Like, mm-hmm. at least interact with them. Like, mm-hmm. you're what, what's so important on that phone that you can't just... I'm not saying be a helicopter parent. You don't have to be, oh, my God. Like, mm-hmm. but at least... You know, you don't have to like walk around. Falling every, them down the slide. Every, yeah. Which I kind of do that sometimes. I still like going down the slide. Fall them around with a poopy pickup bag yeah. like a dog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't want to go to that extreme. But there is like something like if, he, if you know, he's on one end, one end of the playground, you could be on the other standing up like staring at him. Mm-hmm. Like, but there's so many parents now that just sit there on their phones or they're, you know, who knows how far they, they expect another parent to be like, I'll, t- I'll watch your kid for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's no that's not how it is like your kid's your kid my kid's mine i'm gonna watch my kid they interact with each other cool but that's as far as it goes fyi one of the worst things for me not to get off topic but like when you're at a playground you're chasing your kid around and you know oh we're having fun and they have the nerve that they're like oh this is my mom and oh this is my dad and you're just like uh <laughs> what do i even say to this person oh hi dad 
uh, how are you doing today? Like, I never know what to say to these people, like, at all. You just kind of look at them like, <laughs> yeah. What weather we're having, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's not boy. that I'm not being friendly. I'm just like, I I don't know what to say to you <laughs> at all. Yeah, I'm not a very good uh, interactive uh, person when it comes to other parents either. I just nonchalant like, oh, hey, hi, how are you? You know, like, I, how old is he? Yeah, like that kind of stuff. Like as far as it goes. Besides that, I'm just like, oh, oh my goodness, aren't they cute? Oh, yeah. they're just a blessing, and you're just like, I, I yeah. Where, where till they get to their age? Like I don't, I don't. They're not there yet. Okay, let then, my kid be the two year old that he is. I don't care about your six year old kid that's playing with him. Okay, <laughs> like go ahead. He'll be six years old. I know he will be eventually. Yeah, just the normal like stranger parent like small talk shtick. You're just like, oh, I just stumble through it, or I just stay completely quiet, and I'm just like, "Mm, yeah, mm mm-hmm. Act like you had the phone call. Like, put your hand up to your ear. I've done that. Like up Bluetooth. Sorry, I've put I've put my phone up to my ear and played a voicemail and pretend I'm talking (laughs) to somebody. Nice. I just don't like the small talk. Now we got the boy in the studio. What's up? No, you're going to just climb? That's the one thing about boys. The girl didn't climb anything. Now he's here. He's trying to climb everything. My kids climb the doorways. They put their feet and their hands on each side of the door frames and work their way to the top. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, they'll th- they figure out everything. Fia's starting to get brave enough where she wants to like scale the gates. And oh, climb over the gate. She knows how to move the pack and play. Yeah. We'll put the pack and play in a doorway, and she'll come up to it and just completely like move it across the floor. He like looks they, like he looks like Goldberg when he goes to the pack and play. If it's in the area, he'll just full on head down, hands out, spear the pack and play so it moves out of the way. It's it's nuts. But right now, it looks like he has cars, so he'll be entertained for a hot minute. That's one good thing, too, with kids. They usually get uh, something they're stuck on for some time. Like, he's right now playing with cars, so that's his thing. Oh, they get stuck on things. Like, oh, do they ever get stuck on things? She's she's in the blocks. She, that's all she wants to do is stack blocks. And that's what I told you earlier. Like, I was literally, it was, what, 9 o'clock in the morning. I was cleaning up make blocks for, you know, the second time. My uh, s- stepson gets stuck on things to the point where he just obsesses over it. Like when he was younger, it was lawnmowers and weed eaters and tractors to the point where if he was out playing, he would mimic the sound of the engine when you start it. Like he would pick up a stick and take his hand and like he's pulling the string to start the weed eater and he would buzz his mouth to mimic the revving of the engine. Just nonstop, they stick with it. He's he was obsessed with trains for a while. He's now he's obsessed with like Nerf guns. Like it's always one particular thing for like one or two months straight. That's all they want to watch on YouTube or on a tablet or on TV. It just it fascinates me how into something they can get. It's, I know it's not a sponsor, but he is all about Hot Wheels, and oh, I, I can't Loved I them. can't help but. Love that fact because it's a dollar eighteen a car. Mm-hmm. It, he could have so much more of a a need to uh, 
play with the mo- more expensive toys, but it's a dollar eighteen. That's how I always got away with my dad buying me stuff when I was a kid because I didn't want the extravagant stuff. I would ask for a dollar, a single dollar bill to buy a Hot Wheel, and I was happy. He's all about. So it. he was always about that. I didn't want like these big like Lego sets or big extravagant toys. Like just give me a dollar. I want a Hot Wheel. And he'd always do it. Always do it. Oh, here's a buck. Go pick one yeah, out. That's pretty sweet. I I mean I, the way I the way I remember it, the toys that I was into were the twenty five cent machine uh, sticky things where you could like you have it in your hand and you can like throw it and it would stick to the wall and you could bring it back. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember like they like I don't know what the heck it was what they're called, but they wouldn't really let us dabble and stuff like that. But I was a um, Hot Wheel car just fiend yeah. i remember i remember being pretty amped up about cars but i don't remember having that many he has he has a suitcase it's a hot Wheels suitcase oh yeah so that's the way to do it i just had baskets like these cheap yeah. plastic baskets full of them and i'd play with them inside my sandbox and make these big construction zones oh, in yeah. my sandbox yeah. with that's all these cool. construction vehicles and my dad would always be at work and he'd always tell us, don't put any water in the sandbox. But the second he'd go to work, I'd be pouring buckets of water in the sandbox so I could build these big elaborate like caves and stuff. He found thrifty ways to get us entertained. like Thrifty ways that didn't spend money. If we needed sand for that sandbox, he'd drive out a forestry road and scoop sand out of the ditches on the side of forestry roads. Bring it home, dump it in the sandbox. There'd be pieces of sticks and pieces of leaves and dead beetles and crap in it that you'd have to sift through. But you had sand. See, my dad would just give us a shovel and say, "Go dig, <laughs> go find something." He'd tell, he'd be like, just dig as big, like big as a hole as you can. Be like, hey, move these rocks. That's why I understand. Like, my dad secretly was secretly giving us like landscaping jobs. Mm-hmm. Be like, hey, look, dig this out, and it would be like, it would be like a ditch. From the street to the drain, that like oh, just, I did that. I'm like, what? Like he literally just put us to work. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't even know about it. Like uh, until it was like very end. He's like, he would just he would see like if he'd get like a bucket of water and just like dump it down the path that we had to make sure that it was like going down into the drain. Like oh, I'll dig that out a little bit more. So I was like, my dad did that to me a lot when I was a teenager. It got to the point in our township where you couldn't have your. Uh, drains from your gutters going into the sewage system it had to be separate so and he had them fixed so they went right into the pipes that went into the sewer system so he would have me dig these huge like four foot deep ditches in the yard and bury the pipe till it trailed out into the yard where it sloped i tell you what digging ditches sucks it's a lot of work to get that far down because once you get that far down it's like clay and really hard. I'm out there 15 years old with like this pickaxe just slamming dirt and shovels and everything just to get those ditches dug. But I would con him into things like I remember getting close to college and I was like, I'll dig this ditch for you. But I want a flat screen monitor for my computer. And I forget what else I got him to do. I think I got him to get me a digital camera and a bunch of different did. electronic things that I wanted for college. Um, uh, yeah, I'll dig a ditch for you, but it's going to cost you. But he would agree to it because he was getting too old. He couldn't dig the ditches, so who else was going to do it? He's not going to go rent like a backhoe or something. Oh, yeah. You used the young body. Yeah. That's funny. So I, I, I got my money's worth out of it big time. Is there uh, 
any famous lines that you could think your dad would use? Did he ever use like the don't don't make me turn the car around line? Money doesn't uh, grow on trees. He's just he wasn't really big on lines like that. He was just so stern. Like he had this look, he had this frown. He wouldn't yell, but he just had this sternness to him and this mid-range not yelled not low voice where you knew he meant business and you just didn't want to test him my my uh the one i, I don't again show an age it was food land up here in the in the plaza and i forget he told me to go in to get something it could have been a gallon of milk we'll just use that for an example and it was like downpouring and i know he wasn't going to get out of the car and he was just like he like looked at me he's like well you're not made of sugar and so I was like, okay, cool. So like I walked out in the rain, got out, walked out in the rain and got the milk and come back, got in the car. He's like, you could have ran. Like we, like you said, I wasn't made of sugar. He's like, most people run in the rain. I was like, I was already going to get drenched. He was like, you yeah, know, most people run. <laughs> I was like, what was I supposed to do in this situation? But that's the one, one thing that stuck with me with him. Like the things that he would put me through. He never said like, oh, you know, if your friend jumped off a bridge, would you? That was, yeah, again, like lines my like mom that. would use. Yeah. My mom was like all like all about those like typical. My mom said more of those infamous dad lines than my dad ever did. Like my dad, my dad would have like little signs up like uh, above like a, a door frame. It said no whining like in the room. So it's like oh, oh, point to the sign like. Don't complain about it. We're going to... You got to have it. My dad did have this side to him every once in a while where he would mess with us, but he disguised it so well, you didn't know what he was doing. Like, it's it's hard to explain. Like, I can remember going to church on Sundays, and he was always off on Sundays, but he would want to go and pick up his paycheck after work. And like I said, he worked in a psychiatric hospital, and like we would be fighting in the back seat and my sister would be real snippy with me and my brother and he didn't tell us that he was going to pick up his check he would just mess with my sister and be like i'm i'm going to take you straight to the psychiatric hospital and have you admitted <laughs> that's it and she wouldn't believe him and then he'd start driving towards there and he'd turn down the side street and she'd start getting worked up <laughs> and he'd pull right in the parking lot he's like i wasn't kidding we're getting you admitted and she would be like losing her mind That's back there and he's like, ah, i'm just getting my paycheck <laughs> like he would disguise stuff like that all the time that's the only reason why i know what the psych ward uh number is because my dad would do that he'd be like i'm gonna 302 you right now <laughs> like huh okay some of that stuff anymore like in today's age like you do something like that like the cops are going to be at your door oh yeah you can't threaten that kind of stuff yeah but he would just zing stuff like that all the time just you were never ready for it like you never knew when he was messing with you oh my dad was good at that my like i said my dad was the stories he was my dad was probably easily one of the uh funniest people i knew too because like he would just Dude, like I remember one of his uh, lines that he would tell me about, like bullying. He was a typical student. He wasn't like you know straight A's and stuff like that. He always say that. But the one day, like I guess, like uh, like a f- the starting quarterback was like starting crap with him and was gonna fight him. And my dad this was like walked up to him. He's like, "Look, you're probably gonna beat me, and everybody knows that you're gonna beat me. But what if I beat you?" 
what happens to your reputation? And then the fight never happened because mm-hmm. my dad was like, look, that's all you need to do. He's like, you don't need to get physical with somebody. Just get in their head. Mm. I'm just like, that's what you've been doing my entire childhood. <laughs> you've gotten to my head my entire childhood. <laughs> like, you made me question so much stuff that I would think I was doing wrong. And then he'd be like, gotcha. And then I would have to, like, oh, restart it over yeah. and do, like, I was like, I knew I was doing that right. It was real hard for my dad to show his soft side, too. Like, really oh. hard. He Like, he wasn't affectionate. Like... He didn't. He didn't give out the like I love yous all the time and stuff like that. Like it was understood. He didn't have to. Oh do it. yeah, my dad never said I love you. But it was very hard to see his soft side. Like you could only see it every so often. Like hey, I remember he despised cats. He would like play around saying that when they were kids they would kill cats and stuff. And we could never have a cat. And I remember we got an outdoor cat one time and we caught him outside on the patio, all squatted down, like scratching his chin and everything, and doing all the. Pss, pss, to him and petting him and everything like he, like he never let his guard down with that kind of stuff i could maybe count on one hand the times i saw him do something like that like but, like yeah my dad i don't know if i've ever seen him cry oh i've but, never like, seen never once and uh i don't think he's ever besides like when i was like full-blown adult i don't remember him ever saying i love you whenever i was a kid uh, i don't remember him ever uh crying saying i love you or even uh um like needing a moment mm-hmm. like he never needed a moment he was just like like same like if if my mom was like outraged she'd be like i just need five minutes and she would like walk away my dad would be like i will throw a shoe at you <laughs> just to like calm the situation down but he never needed a moment he never was mm-hmm. just like look i'm gonna walk away from the situation he just figured out a way to whatever oh, yeah. the issue was yep. stop it he was yeah, same way. It's like solutions. Always had had a solution. Always had a plan B. Always had an exit strategy. Like, even when my grandpa died, I didn't even see him shed a tear. Like, he was upset. You could tell it affected him, but you never saw, the, like, the emotional aspect of it. And, and, like, I only had one set of grandparents because his parents died at a very young age. And then his sister took charge and was, like, the parent. So, like, I, I could maybe associate that with the reason why. That he wasn't so much of a like showcase, but I like as a problem solver though. Like y'all, oh, he was second to none. He could figure out stuff like crazy, mm-hmm. and and uh, he got into a motorcycle accident, and he would like paint figurines, and then when he was done painting the figurines, he just randomly read the dictionary. That's what he did. That's what he would do. So he would just like he would tell me like words. He'd be like just he would like memorize words that he like was a f- like fascinated with. Like, do you know what this means? I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm dead. I'm like five. <laughs> he'd be like, that's just what the definition is. Like, how do you know that? My dad would always occupy himself with things like if he do- if he wasn't working or wasn't doing yard work or wasn't doing handiwork, he would do like crossword puzzles or like jigsaw puzzles yeah. and just little th- little busy things like that just to keep your mind occupied did, did he ever stop parenting you like no. i i my i think my dad stopped whenever i was like 18 he was just like look you're on your own now i'll tell you i'll guide you and that was the end of it i i realized that he wanted to still parent me because again he wasn't a motorcycle accident i told him i was on a dirt bike once and the only text i got back was Get the hell off it. And I was like, what? What? <laughs> like, why? Like, what's wrong? He's like, 
get just get off the bike. I'm like, uh, and what did I do? Got off the bike. I never, I haven't been on a dirt bike since. And telling me to get off it. I've only ridden a dirt bike in a in a quad and all that stuff, maybe a handful of times because I was just like, I respected him so much that I was just like, hey, look, I will, I, I won't do it because you don't want me to do it, and I know what you went through. Like he, he was traumatized with getting to a wreck. Like you know, he got essentially t-boned yeah. on, while on a bike, and the other thing that, that's why he always did too. Like he always made sure that we wore help. Excuse me. He he always wore. We always wore helmets because that's the only thing that saved his life. You know, he he was he got essentially thrown onto a railroad track because that's where he got into a wreck, and he, you know, his head hit like where the uh, railing is, like the track, and he's like, "That's the only thing that saved me." He's like, "If I didn't have a helmet on, brain splattered." And so, like, he would just make sure that we always wore helmets. Yeah, my dad, my dad would always give us little advice about that kind of stuff, but not necessarily like riding, like dirt bikes and stuff. But he always said, like, if you're in a car and you see a deer, just hit it. Yeah. Don't ever swerve. Just hit it. He, and he'd say, you know, we can replace the car. We can't replace you. That always stuck with me. Little, little one, little things like that. Little particulars. He would always make it very well-known what you should and shouldn't do in certain situations. So do you want to... Do you want to play a game? Do you want to do a draft? Pretend, maybe? A draft. A draft like of... Uh, a mock draft? Sure. A mock draft or... Of uh, possibly... I have a weakness for drafts. Yeah. <laughs> I like to do drafts and screenshot them to people. How about, how about we do a draft... Of uh, 90s and 2000 dads uh, of TV shows. Oh my goodness! Do you want to you want to try that out? Yes. Do you want to go first? Do we do we go fifth round, first round, second round? Like is do that you snake it like fantasy you, football? Yeah. Do you want to do or just, just alternate top five? I'd alternate it. All right. I don't want to take two in a row. All right. But can it be cartoon? Could or be just cartoon. Human could be being. Do any any dad. That you grew up watching TV wise. Does it have to be strictly or childhood or like late teenage? That's fine. 2000s. We'll just end it at 2000s. Oh, there's so many good ones. So. You, you, oh, don't you take it. Go first. I already know of one. Go first. Oh, hold on. I'm, I've thrown around a few in my head. They're coming to mind. There's so many good ones. Now, you're saying dads that you admire or just. Uh, either like you thought was absolutely funny, you know, dads that you, you know. Or more so dads you want to, like, model your parenting after. I wouldn't go that far because I definitely am not going that route. I'm just going to say maybe dads that you maybe either were fond of, found funny, or like their parenting style. How's that? First round pick. Good. First overall. Red Foreman, that 70s oh, show. Jesus. His style is perfect. Like, he, he was a good dad. He took care of his family, but he was going to put your his foot in your ass if you even remotely got out of line. That's a, that's a good pick. Red Foreman. I'm going with Tim the Toolman Taylor. Tim the Toolman Taylor. And the only reason why I say this is because he was the only one, everybody can question this, one that I remember, he would put his family in a situation, but he could resolve that situation, and you would learn from that. Like, it was a moral to every story that they had on that show. He would be doing the dumbest of 
crap shit, whatever you want to say, but he resolved it. So many memories are like coming his, back to mind right now. He, uh, I, 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 what, I, we're just gonna go elaborate a little more. One of my favorite things too is like your dad ever do the same thing over and over again, and not learn. Like yeah. that was one thing that reminded me of my dad in that show because my dad would like try to go through a door that was always sticky. So he would like turn the knob and like run into it and he would almost like face plant the door. It reminded me so much of Tim coming down the stairs and hitting his head off the beam yeah. in the basement. Like all the time. Like, hey, this is what my dad does, but he runs into a door. Like, I absolutely loved that show. Absolutely. I, I think more back of different things on that show instead of like the parenting yeah. aspect. No, of but it. I just for for this reason. The yeah. man kitchen. Yeah. Wilson never, you know, being able to see his face. His assistant Heidi. Yeah. What was, was the, what was the assistant? Al Borland. Al Borland, yeah. He always wearing his uh, jeans and his tucked in flannel shirt. Tim the Tool Man Taylor. That's All right. a good pick. That's a solid pick. Number two. Round two. Number two. Mm. Probably Homer Simpson. <sighs> I was such a Simpsons kid growing up. My parents actually let me watch that, and I was obsessed with that show i would literally tape it onto vhs blank tapes so that i would have my own like seasoned set of like random simpsons episodes that i could watch whenever i wanted to and he really was a, a good dad i know he did a lot of stupid stuff in that show but he tried he put his family yeah he first. always put his family first i don't know why it always stuck with me a particular episode of the simpsons when he lost well he finally could do his dream job and he was working at a bowling alley and they found out they were pregnant with maggie and he lost his mind and he had to literally go crawling back to the nuclear power plant and get his job back to pay for it all the kids and all the responsibilities and everything mr burns put a plaque up above his workstation that says don't forget you're here forever and Homer put all kinds of pictures of Maggie over that board and blocked out certain letters. And the only letters you could see was, do it for her. That's funny. That stuck with That's me. Cool. That still sticks with me as an adult. That's my favorite moment from that show when it comes to like parenting and everything. I love that man. That that character is a masterpiece. That's very, very good. And the, and the funny thing is, too, that guy that voices him voices a ton of characters on yeah. that show, too. There's so, a lot of hidden parenting yeah, moments yeah. in that show. Did you, did you know that the actor in in that does his voice was in Space Jam? I did not. He was know in that. The very, one of the very first scenes. And I did not. Know he was that. watching the basketball game with Michael Jordan. Nope. Yeah, I caught that. I was uh, literally watching Space Jam the other day. Yeah, Homer Simpson. That that was like that's a, a good pick. That was my teenage childhood right there. That man. Uh second round for me, Al Bundy. No, that's uh, that's uh, a hit home. That was partially my dad's uh, humor and how he was as a person. You know, he loved his family, loved his kids, but never wanted to show it. Never like he, but you knew he cared. Like even uh, what happened? Even whenever he uh, like whenever uh. He was supposed to have sex and stuff like that. It would just be a rolling task. And and anything that broke on that car, he would try to fix. He never wanted to trade it in, buy a new one, nothing. That was his vehicle. It reminds me of my dad. Like Eventually, my dad had to turn in a vehicle, but 
we end up getting a Dodge Caravan once. Red Dodge Caravan. And that sucker never left. I mean, like I said before, he had a gremlin in the backyard forever because he wanted to get back into that. But definitely we were never allowed to watch that show. It was too, considered too raunchy for oh, our family and that our is household. An, that's an absolute terrible show uh, to watch as a child. I still remember one time, though, it coming on and my parents not being fully aware of what it was. And they weren't really paying attention to what we were watching. And his wife, what was her? Peggy? Peggy Bundy, yeah. She'd be like, Al, let's have sex. And my mom, oh, child down. But uh, what was I saying? Um, <laughs> we can edit that part out. Um, I'll never forget. We were sitting there watching TV, and my mom wasn't fully aware of what we were watching, and she wasn't really paying attention. She was just floating around the house. And I vividly remember Peggy saying that, Al, let's have sex. <laughs> and my mom, like, lost her mind and made us change the channel. <laughs> Great pick. Great pick. So what was your, what was your first two? I had uh, Tim Taylor and Al Bundy. And I was Red Foreman and Homer Simpson. Uh, there's one coming to mind right now. He's not a good, good example of what a dad should be, but he's absolutely my favorite character, whether he's a dad or not. Well, you could probably say favorite character of all time in any TV show ever in existence, but he is a dad. But he's the prime example of what you should not do as a father. Randy Marsh. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> the best, hands down, argue with me, I'll fight you. He is the best character of all time in the history of television, that man. Randy Marsh. Oh I'll just God. leave it at that. Oh, my God. There's so many good. Oh, my God. South Park's amazing. <laughs> um <laughs> so, so when he has the weed farm too uh it's so amazing oh so many good i could talk about this for an hour but yeah i should have picked him n- number one overall that's a great, we'll, that's we'll a slide great. him in no, that's, three that's good that's good but maybe for the exa- reason that he's not like prime dad but yeah. still uh, if you're an aspiring dad don't act like randy marsh from south park my i'm going old school uh we're going, uh, he's not a very huge, uh, I guess, character on the show, but uh, Frank Constanza from oh, Seinfeld. I was, oh, that was, oh. That was uh, very That good. was my next pick. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I have to keep him. He's, oh. He's staying. Uh, I could probably trade him if you want, but absolutely hilarious. One-liners, too. Just the way just, he spazzes out about oh, everything. Yes. Yep. Oh, I didn't know you were a Seinfeld I, guy. I so I started watching Seinfeld maybe, maybe uh when I was like I want to say 30. I was a very late bloomer when it came to Seinfeld. Oh. But he uh yeah, third round, he's mine. He's mine. Do you have a backup? Wow, I'm all flustered now. I don't even know where to go from there. Frank Costanza. Where he served everybody rancid meat in the <laughs> military. <laughs> Ooh, I don't even know where to go from here. It would be fourth round. Maybe the squeaky clean pick. I got a good pick here of what 
being a dad should be and i watched a lot of this when i was a kid i was obsessed with this show my brother even got to the point where he was so annoyed that i would watch so many reruns of this show all the time carl winslow oh see there's mine matters there's mine that's a great pick i was obsessed with that show that guy did everything right he was like a model of a father that's a great pick he's pretty funny reginald vel johnson he was mine he was uh he was number four for me. That's oh. pretty funny. I have to. I'll have to find the other. I couldn't think of the guy's name, but uh, that's a great pick. I, I love that show altogether, though. That was a good. Like, I know it was a typical like, did I do that yeah. kind of thing? But they sneaky gave you a lot of life lessons yeah, in that show. That's a good. That was a very wholesome show. Funny, <laughs> that but. Was my, Sorry, I didn't mean to swipe That's that. That's all right. Well, I swiped, I swiped uh, yours. That only makes sense. So I guess mine would be Danny Tanner then. <laughs> I'd have to go with Danny Tanner. <laughs> that was number five. Because my, my fifth pick is out from the crazy uh, world. But uh, Danny Tanner, I don't think, has to uh, have any explanation on that one. I don't know. Uh, I mean, he was a single dad. Yeah. Taking yeah. care of all those kids. I, I I'm just gonna leave it with Danny Tanner. That was when I first found out. Like I, that's one of my first memories when I was a kid of a TV show that we used to all watch together. And uh, that's when I found out. Yep, I definitely like girls because I had this little boy crush on uh, the Olsen twins. Yeah. See, I, that's another one. Uh, throughout my age, I didn't watch uh, the show until Hollywood Video, and I was living on my own, and you could buy like the this or rent the sets and the seasons by dvd see that's the only reason why i I never watched it at home it was just like just like uh seinfeld i never watched that at home i had to wait till i moved out so So you got all your five yeah well uh no you're gonna go fifth and then i'll go fifth i don't think you can get my fifth pick i got some good names i jotted down Ooh, I don't even know what direction I want to go I'm here. Going, There's I'm so going, many good ones. I'm going uh, somewhat dark on mine. Ooh. Ooh. Just don't pick Walter White from Breaking Bad. That's like the perfect example of what not <sighs> to do a, as a father. Yeah, we don't want don't, that don't, d- don't go that dark. Don't go that dark. Don't be burying uh, millions of dollars of, in barrels out in the desert. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Where do I go here? You picked Frank Costanza and Al Bundy and Tim Taylor. I picked two cartoon characters. I might go another cartoon character. Uh-oh. You might go my route then. Oh. Let's hope not. I might go another cartoon character. Uh, Don't do it. Oh, boy. I have it jotted down. You'll do it if you got it, but I'll have to figure another name out. Hank Hill, no, no, King of the good. Hill. That's good. No, that's not my. Okay, I like, love Hank Hill. He's so handy. He knew how to do everything. You talk about life lessons. He he did li- a lot of life lessons. Very good dad. Yeah. Very good dad. Worked worked a lot. And propane and propane accessories. That's it. Yeah, uh, they're they're coming back out with that too. Are they? Yeah. Apparently, it's coming back out uh, because he he did Beavis and Butthead, came out with Beavis and Butthead, and then uh, I think they said. Um, uh, let me look it up real quick. 
I feel like if my dad ever swore, he would swear at me like Hank Hill. Like, damn it, Bobby. <laughs> damn it, <So> Danny. <laughs> that was 1997. But uh, uh, he said it's going to start uh, on the screens in 2024. So I imagine <gasps> January. I know who you're going to pick. 2024. I know who you're going to pick. I don't know if I you're going to pick. I'm going, I'm going dark. Modern. Ah, uh, no, he's, 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 I don't even know if you know this show. Lay it on me. Carl Sinclair. I don't even know who that See, is. No, not many people know who that is. It's from Dinosaurs. I don't know if you ever... I watched that show. That show was up. From the 90s? That show Not was the Mama? Not the Mama. Not the I Mama. I didn't know that was his name. Yep, Carl Sinclair. Absolutely Great amazing pick. show. Steal of the draft. That's, it's, I loved that show. He... Uh, my and I, you said not the mama. One of my favorite scenes was because of not the mama, is whenever he was on the back of Carl, and he was trying to iron a shirt. What dad irons a shirt? Usually that wasn't, you know, that was the mom's job. And he was like, not the mama, not the mama. And Carl was like, I'm going to throw you across the room. <laughs> and then, and then you just see the next like they cut the scene to go and like have the daughter come in and you just see that baby fly across the room and he's like again again this is absolutely amazing we have to find out who streams that show if it know. even is available I don't on know streaming if it is. that's a great so question. I completely forgot about that show but we watched that all the yeah, time when that, I was a kid that show was absolutely amazing phenomenal pick very dark by the way if phenomenal you, if, pick it, go ahead and try to watch it. That is a very dark show. It's apparently on Disney Plus. Really? Yeah. I'm watching that when I go home. Ninety one percent rotten tomatoes. That's a good phenomenal yeah. show. Nineteen ninety five. Nineteen ninety one it came out, nineteen ninety five. But very, very dark. If you if I swear, man, when you watch it as an adult, you'll be like, What? <laughs> but You got uh, any honorable mentions? I don't have I, I literally wrote that you, you picked my my a couple honorable ones, especially Hank. Frank Costanza like hit me in my soul. Yeah, I love that. That's a very Do uh, you have any honorable ones? Do you have any guys that Dan Connor from Roseanne, when he got pissed off I and there was a situation show. that was out of control, yeah. he took care of it. I never watched that show, I wasn't allowed. Yeah, we, we weren't a big Roseanne family either, but I always admired like if something if somebody messed with his family or somebody messed with one of his loved ones, he grabbed his jacket and he was out the door ready to just kick some ass. Uh, uh, what's his name? What's what's the actor's name? Uh, his real name? Yeah. Oh, it's like John Goodman. Gun, yeah. Do you see how much weight loss he had? Oh, he's oh. like half the person now. Oh. He's not even recognizable. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah, he was he he was a great dad. I don't know if I have any more on here that we didn't say. Hal from Malcolm in the Middle, because he'd always lose his mind and have like these absolute meltdowns about everything that his kid did, or all his kids. Like that's a perfect example of how sometimes certain situations in your parenting you're gonna lose your mind a little bit. Loved that show. Not Brian Cranston as Hal from Malcolm in the Middle. Not as Walter White from Breaking Bad. Don't be like that. Don't start uh, cooking meth yeah. to provide for your family. <laughs> Don't ever do that. When did that. That show's more recent, right? More recent, yeah. I think it was like 2009-ish to like 14, 15, something like that. 
I don't know if I have any more that I can think I, of. I think that's good. Maybe right. I don't even remember his name. Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. Let me look. That's uh, that's a really good one actually. He was a pretty good dad. We watched all those shows when we were growing up. Friday night. Yeah. TGIF. We watched all of them. Philip. Philip. What Banks? Philip. Yeah, Banks. Yep. Philip Banks. Yeah, he was a he was a phenomenal dad to uh, Will Smith. That's it. Even though he was his uncle. Yeah. Now all, a, all I can think of is Carlton dancing around yeah. now. I was gonna say I liked uh uh. Uh, the butler he was one of my favorite yeah. characters that was uh was... that was a very good show good pick who's the guy from uh step by step remember that show i never watched that show that was on uh tgif too he's a pretty good dad i can't remember his frank lambert maybe frank lambert yep yeah patrick duffy holy cow man yeah that was a good show Oof. too there was a lot of good uh role models back in that day i'd watch those shows my parents would let me stay up because it was on friday night then right on after 10 o'clock was either 2020 or dateline nbc and they'd scare me stupid about stupid stuff going on in the world so you'd have all these laughs and funny haha shows and it's just like you're gonna die from mad cow disease <laughs> and i would get paranoid they said uh i never watched the show marty kane crane from fraser never watched never watched fraser Never. There's Danny Tanner. I was just looking up some lists that maybe we missed. Oh, Frank Sanzo made a list of somebody. Hank Hill made a list. Damn yeah. it, Bobby. I'm trying I'm I'm drawing a blank now. I think we, we I think that's good, covered right? that's a good everybody. List. Yeah, that's a very good list. I uh I think uh if anything, now that we're since we are from Pittsburgh how about real life dads? You know any real life dads from Pittsburgh that you? Kurt Angle. Oh really? Yeah, he's from Pittsburgh. Well, I know he's from Pittsburgh. I got it. He has kids. Yeah. I think he has some kids with some chick who's married to Jeff Jarrett or something. Oh really? Now. Yeah. I would love to meet him. He's only fifty-four years old. Karen Jarrett. Yep, married to Jeff Jarrett now. And then. Uh, he's been married to Giovanna Yanoda. I'm not even sure. I don't even know how to say that. She's pretty sure. I'm almost certain he went to Clarion University. I, I mean, he won Olympic gold, so he, he's from Mount Lebanon. You do not boo a man that is an Olympic gold medalist. I you do not boo me. You talk about something that like somebody was so confident. In the WWF, WWE, that he told Vince McMahon nobody would ever boo him. Yep. And the first time he comes out, especially like he did, I don't know if you saw that, like I he, did that see story, that. that whole, yep. like, I'm from Pittsburgh, these guys aren't going to boo me. They booed even more. Yep. Than and they me. told him before he went out there, they're like, they're going to boo you out of the building. And he didn't believe them, and they did. That's absolutely hilarious. I, uh, I, oh, that dude. First and foremost, to be an Olympic gold medalist and then go to WWF, gets and then have his career that he had there. Like, I mean, I get it. He was amazing as as a as a uh, entertainer. Like, like, yeah, but that's what I mean. Like, if you once you're out of college and out of the Olympics, what do you do with wrestling? It's not like they have professional, like, real wrestling. Yeah. You know, where you're grappling on a mat. Yeah. That's that's like. 
a brilliant idea on his part. Oh, I can't wrestle anymore. Why not go get paid millions of dollars to do this gimmick? He deserved every penny. He was absolutely hilarious. Oh, he was phenomenal. I'm trying to think of some other sneaky Pittsburgh dads. I was saying uh, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, that was uh, one of the ones. That I don't I, know who any of her, his kids are. No, I mean I don't. I just know he's a dad, and I mean, period. It's Jeff freaking Goldblum. Like. Yeah. And then I was uh, Billy Gardell. Billy Gardell. Because yeah. he, I, I remember like I listen to him every once in a while on DVE, but I can't stand listening to DVE anymore because literally they just should change it to ACDC radio because it's all they freaking play is ACDC music. And uh, uh, Michael Keaton was the other one. Okay. I don't know many more after that, but those are. I know Dan Marino's from Pittsburgh. He's got a couple kids. I forgot about Dan Marino. I didn't want to. I didn't go sports sports wise because I think we could name a whole bunch. We could be Big Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, he's got his own podcast. Maybe join us one day. That'll be ideal. We could talk about how to, like his how he played football while having kids. That'd be kind of crazy. Yeah, had kids with a nurse from a Pittsburgh hospital. Yeah. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? All maybe right. You, maybe your uh, your dad should have gave him a little advice about wearing a helmet when he was riding a motorcycle. Oh, oh. too soon. Hope he didn't hear that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything else you want to talk about? I'm trying to think here. Um, maybe just. I don't know any people out there that are just uh, trying to figure out this parenting thing and uh, just trying to learn the ropes and be the best dad that you can be. Make sure, at the very least, you do not lose yourself, like who you are in the parenting. Like, don't completely give up on your hobbies, your interests your goals just because you're a parent but i'm not trying to say like don't let those things take precedent over your parenting but don't lose it but don't be a shell of yourself yes like still have a personality still get out there because you're gonna need breaks these you kids are 24 yeah. 7 you still got to do things that give you happiness but don't overdo it don't let it take over your life to the point where it's affecting your kids and spending time with your kids. But you got to stay true to what makes you happy and what makes you tick. Like, I I know a lot of yours already, but, like, I still find time maybe once every, like, two, three months to go play poker with my friends. Or super, super into fantasy sports, which you can do, like, around your kids anyway. Um, occasionally hunting and fishing here and there. Yeah, get out there, get, you know, just do yeah. your thing, but, you know. Watching sports in general. Little things like that. Just don't lose yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would add to that, like, the one thing I learned, um, and we talked about this before, uh, prior to recording, is, you know, your wife, your girlfriend, whomever, when, make time for yourselves. Like, the biggest thing that I... Uh, learned was it could be the most docile thing but have dinner together put mm -hmm. the kids to bed get a candle light it just yep. have dinner doesn't matter if it's pizza from Pizza yep. Hut not a sponsor but just have a meal together talk yes. don't forget that 
That's very important. Because you brought life into this world. Don't forget that you two are still uh, connected. You still got to find a way to treat each other the way you did before you had kids. Because like I said, 24-7. Even if it's something as simple as the kids go to bed and you watch something stupid on a streaming service together for a little bit. Just find, even if it's just 20 minutes, a half hour, just find that you have to or it gets hard. Yeah, I mean, I'll use my example. We just watched a new Ant-Man after putting the kids to bed the other day. Just, we're going to take a nap. Cool. Put them to nap. Get them to nap together. Not together, but at the same time. And then watch the Ant-Man movie. And don't, like, immediately think and run to, like, all the kids are asleep. It's, like, don't immediately run to, like, intimacy and adult time and stuff like that you still got to do the fun things together i, I will say the bi- the big thing uh about me was i was a psycho with the the boy i had to watch the monitor like don't do that like make sure that you're sleeping when they're sleeping because you know you'll get frustrated if they wake up you know and trust me you know put them on their back and you know have them have a nap and Take, you know, 20 minutes to yourself or close your eyes, whatever. You, you're going to need those at that time because, mm-hmm. I mean, especially in the, you know, zero to zero to one year, they demand everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, too, like you could watch a, you know, don't don't be afraid, especially if you have one child. Don't be afraid to, you know, put them on your chest and put something on TV and they'll probably fall asleep. And still staying true to what you like and your interest in your hobbies like you can also like they start to develop interest in those things too because they see you they see you getting real excited about your sports team they see you getting real excited about i'm a big big closet well i used to be closet now i don't really care what other people think wwe fan like watching them get excited about what you're getting excited about on the tv like they start to develop tastes and what makes you tick just don't ever lose that absolutely it's That's huge good advice. good advice anything else not that i can I think got, of right uh, now i think we're good for the first episode of the dads and that podcast and uh i want to thank you for listening and hopefully we record another one here pretty soon which we are in the works we're going to try to do maybe once a week definitely i mean if it catches on, maybe we'll do more. But for right now, just once a week, we st- we are two dads that still have a job, and you know, do this on our spare time whenever we can find it. Yep. But uh, again, thank you for listening, and hope you enjoyed it. <laughs>